And I bought this house from you. It had doors, stairs, and a swimming pool. Now, where is the shit now? Now, hold on, Fair. I distinctly told you I was taking the pool and the doors with us. You said you were joking. You were just kidding about that. No, sir. No, sir. I recorded the entire conversation. I got the transcript right here. I said just kidding about the windows and the kitchen sinks. I never actually said just kidding about the doors and the pool. Now, listen, Cadell. You're bullshit, okay? Yeah, get a little, get a little screechy. A ass little dance. behind the, uh, behind the music. You sit down, you shake the ass. <laughs> and if it makes no noise. You're good to go. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films. What up? What up, Big J? Yeah, how's it going? Oh, I'm alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, we. I, I kind of mentioned it on the last pod, or maybe in the pod before that, that me and Justin had already recorded one, yep. uh, and we had some audio snafus, so this one, uh, obviously, since you're hearing it, there is no audio snafus. Apparently, it was just an hour of just me, and yeah. I mean, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to just listen to that. <laughs> I was like, why is no one coming back at him with all these uh, retorts and everything? <laughs> we could hear me uh, in the background, but I think I was I was like in the next room type of thing. Yeah, the only thing you you missed from the expo. Well, we'll we'll circle back. It was a uh, extensive li- look at FX and FX two, but we'll circle back around and yeah. do that eventually. Uh, I think the only thing we reviewed is oh, we realized that you liked uh, Cocaine Bear. I didn't like Cocaine Bear. I liked Megan. You didn't like Megan. Yeah. It also revealed over the last couple weeks that I'm the only one who didn't like Cocaine Bear because my, <laughs> my brother loved it and uh, Eric and all the friend his friends love it up there too. Yeah. So <laughs> and John Wick four is badass. And Paul got me some. John Wick coins. Yes, don't and try I'm to use them. Super <laughs> fucking stoked about it. I'm not sure what you could use them for. Ah, that's uh, awesome. I mean, does he use them to kill people, or uh, he uses them for so, everything? Doesn't so he? So in the universe, these these equal are the, the only currency. They right? equal the same amount as a coke, as like a bottle of coke, or killing someone. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got two. So <laughs> <laughs> one of each. There you go. You're all set. <laughs> and I've already got a coke, motherfucker. <laughs> So you haven't. Uh, so I am obviously last pod was with my cousin. Yeah, shout out to one. my cousin in the store. If you didn't listen to last pod, uh, check out my cousin's uh, Facebook page, the Emporium of uh, Retro and Interesting Collectibles, also known as Eric, and uh, he posts tons of good videos and sells vintage toys, video games, all that fun stuff. And you should definitely check it out. I go up there like twice or three times a year. I pack light and I come back heavy. This year, I, this year it took a while to get my stuff back because I had a horror show of a flight getting home. But we are back here with you, and I watched a couple of movies. Did you? You didn't watch anything I over the last not, week, dude. We've that, been... that just shows how busy Justin yeah. has been. Now I had a couple of rewatches. Like for some reason, my wife showed me a picture of Corey Haim's license from License to Drive. I yeah. was like, now we gotta watch it. Yeah. So I just yeah. we put License to Drive the, on the other night. It was awesome. Uh, but there was a couple of movies that I. Uh, I mentioned before there's a, a woman on you can get if you're interested if you're in the films like I am uh I'm not sure how legit it is but uh I assume that there is some sort of licensing done there she does like modification of movies online uh-huh. she's called the DVD lady so if you go to dvdlady.com and you type in any movie you're looking for almost everything that's ever been created, she can make you a copy of. Mm. And it's a copy, I think, of like the VHS or the laser disc because a lot of times it's, you're not doing it 
for a copy of John Wick 2. Right. You're doing it for a movie that you cannot fucking find. Short time. Yeah, uh, short time. That's that's one of the ones I got from Oh, yeah, okay, dope. Very rare uh, movie. And even if it's not on the list, if you contact her and ask them, every time I've contacted them, they were like, yeah, we can make that. That's awesome. And it takes like three weeks to get to you, so you kind of, you put an order in 12 bucks, every movie, any movie you want, 12 bucks. And if you buy six, you get one free. So it's a it's a really good deal. Uh, but the last time, two movies I watched over the week came from her, because I just got them in the mail. They take about, I think they come from England, so, mm. uh, so it took a while to get here. Uh, but, they were both really good. So nothing made my dog shit list this week. I got one on my decent list, one on the very good, and then one on the uh, the fantastic, which was great because I'm. Anytime I can add, uh, I rarely add the fantastic. I think I've added eleven for the whole year so far on my fantastic list, and they are really really good. Uh, before this one, I'm about to talk about was uh, Evil Dead Rise. Oh man. Yeah, have we not talked about that? We haven't, we and have. I'm I'm anxious to hear. Holy about crap! It. Yeah, dude. you you texted oh. me and was like, "Dude, you need to go dude. see this." He said, "You said probably not with your girl." Yeah, but like, probably not with your girl. If your girl yeah. has problems with possession, yeah, that's this her, is that's possession, her thing. and yeah. this is possession of children. Yeah, too, and it's you're dealing with a mom with kids. Like, if you're a mom, this might be on next level to yeah. you on top of the whole possession thing. She so is. she might be way the yeah. fuck off, out of this one. But I'm telling you, you sneak it. You you, you go downstairs one night at two a.m. <laughs> she listens. Don't be giving you, me. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> you get me in trouble. <laughs> hey, allow Justin Evil Dead Rise because uh, this is next level horror. I, yeah. There's story after story of people fleeing the theater, and rightly so. This was I'm an expert horror watcher. My cousin's an expert horror watcher. Yeah. And uh, this is this is good. This yeah. is next level. This is what you're looking for. But there's some creepy, creepy stuff in it. Yeah. And the blood is taken to the next level. And they, I love the fact that they don't give a shit if you're a child or not. Yeah. You really there was a seven year old in this movie that you're just dying to make through. And like, I was curious to see how this was going to be. Because I remember when the trailer came out, and bad. you were and, and you were like, "Dude, oh, shit fuck these kids!" Yep. Like, so to hear you go, "Oh shit, no, I was wrong," they, and like, "This is badass." Yeah, is they like, did a great. really good job. With yeah, it. they cast it really well. Yeah. No one you've heard of—that's what made it great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were able to work it towards the the high rise, and then. And cleverly back into the woods. So how, okay, there'll definitely yeah, be many I, sequels. I was going to say, how do they kind of... Because it's a continuation? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you kind of look at it as a continuation. And, and this is a continuation of the remake from... I can't remember how long ago, but more modern remake? Okay. Uh, they might be just... I'm not sure that... I don't think that's canon. It, the Evil Dead series is strange in that way. Yeah. Because the first Evil Dead movie... Uh, was remade. Evil Dead 2 is basically a remake of Evil Dead 1. Uh-huh. Like I tell people, don't watch Evil Dead 1. Yeah. Uh, just watch Evil Dead 2. They recap it. They re they retell the story right. in the first half hour. So yeah. it's basically a re- reboot of it. So if you start with 2, but then you go to 3 and it's like completely kind of heat. That's the one that was comedy. That was uh, Army of Darkness mm. where it was uh, a lot more of a comedy. Yeah. And they broke that out. Right. Then they had the series and then they had the 2013 thing and they all kind of connect in a weird way and uh really they kind of connect just through the necromicon mm-hmm. you know and you read from the book yeah someone gets possessed and that's where it kind of heads off there right but they bookended it really well and i think the next one will take place at a cabin mm-hmm. but this was a good uh kind of build up to it but the creepy factor and the blood factor i hear they it's like seventeen thousand gallons of blood yeah and i mean i'll tell you dude there, there's a part of me that like is like i want to see it there's yeah. also a part of me that's like 
I heard Dave say a couple of might have been in this yeah. last one. Um, you know, and he's like, you know, I just. I just don't have that horror stuff in me anymore, you know? And but like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking, it's so difficult to get, to feel anything from movies yeah. these days because it's a rehash, it's a redone, it's not done well. So even difficult stuff for me, I'm like, oh, they got me there. But I'm yeah. the guy that likes Lars von Trier fucked up shit. Yeah, so I'm, you know. I, I, I do like a, a, a certain level of uh, uh, kind of them pushing the envelope on it. And I get it. And if I get it too. For you, the only thing I have problems with really is animal cruelty. Oh, that's the only thing I have problems. Or kid with. stuff. I don't like, mind kid stuff, and that's why I loved Evil Dead too. They well, were no, like, I mean, there's a they difference. They were like, they possessed some of these children, right? Here, and that's man, the, there's and, there's a difference between a, a kid getting possessed and a kid getting brutally murdered oh, by somebody. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I don't know. Like, that was done really well. Probably the best instance of that of recent memory is Doctor Sleep. Did you ever watch Doctor Sleep? Yeah. Uh, that kid. Getting murdered at the beginning by that cult. Oh yeah, was brutal. Yeah, that was. And apparently, up. I had just recently heard that uh, they let Stephen King take a peek at it before everyone else. Oh really? And he was like, "Whoa, you really ramped up that uh, child killing?" Yeah, yeah you didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, "Yes, we did." Yeah. And it was it was crazy because I think that's what people. So much happened in that movie, but people always talk about that uh, that little kid in his little league outfit, yeah. being kidnapped and murdered right in front of you. On it, like I think they ripped his guts out. Yeah, and they, they all, did. Like drank his blood and shit. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I I like that they're kind of doing <laughs> horror movies now that nobody. There's is no safe. limits. Yeah, there's yeah. no limits and nobody's yeah. safe. It kinda, well, I mean that's the thing is they in order to be successful these days you have got to break out of the formula. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's that was that's what became my issue with horror was a. A, it started to get really fucking campy and B, every fucking horror movie that I yeah. watched, I was just going, this is about seen to it, happen. Seen it. That's seen about it. to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, this there's a lot gonna, of rehashing you know I mean? yeah. done. So um, when anything is, when you could take a subject matter and you can twist it or you can, you can do something new with it. Like yeah. you, uh, like with this, a lot of it was the casting. They got that girl with the crazy eyes and that crazy mouth. Mm-hmm. It's like if you could imagine like uh, Julia Roberts with yeah. like that with a grin so fucking wide that just creeps you out, man. The imagery was just great. Yeah. I loved it. I had a fun time in that movie theater with it. My big mistake was not going to see it at 8 p.m. Because apparently it was one of those things that they were screaming and yelling in the really? theater. It was yeah. a vocal, vocal movie. And you could see why, too. I so. imagine. So... Uh, so I had seen that since the last time we uh, had talked together, but uh, I watched, uh, there was a, if you listen to the last week's pod, the one me and Eric do, we're directly talking about the Sleepaway Camp mm-hmm. movies, yeah. and there's a moment in it when we talk about uh, the girl from number two, I can't remember, Valerie Hartman from number two, only got famous because she had some of the best uh, TNA scenes ever <laughs> in number two. Mm-hmm. And it brought us into a trivia of the top 20 most gratuitous nude scenes of the 80s. And I actually listed them yeah. off. And it was only two movies I hadn't seen on there. And sure enough, one of them was on Tubi. I got to text Eric and tell him. <laughs> it was called Joysticks. Do you remember that from the 80s? No, but I heard you talk about it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's cra- oh, you listened to the pod already? Yeah, yeah it was good. Uh, I wake up with it every Tuesday. I man. love it. Uh so the Joysticks movie from 1983, it was decent, you know, and mm. definitely tons of TNA on it and everything. But what was great to me is you got to really see the old school video arcade. And in <laughs> 1983, they had no clue. And in one year, you guys are going to be fucked. Yeah, I know, Because right? Nintendo's going to come out and it's going to put you guys down. Yeah. So uh, it was fun to see that. They got Joe Don Baker as the only actor they could afford to play like the the guy. And it was one of those things, he's an asshole, is going to put the, the arcade out of business. So they have to... Uh, have like a uh, 
uh, a fair or something like that to get enough money so <laughs> to uh, to save their own yeah. shop. Basically, the Empire Records type stuff. Yeah. But there was tons of like bla- bad acting, great TNA in it and everything. It was just fun. But yeah. it was, it, if you're not used to like 80s nostalgia TNA movies, you'd be like, what is this piece yeah. of garbage? <laughs> Why am I watching this again? <laughs> I can watch porn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, something about watching those that we we snuck a lot of those back in the day, man. Uh, but the two movies I ordered from my uh, DVD lady online, one of them was the 1977 uh, cult like exploitation movie called Death Game, and it starred Colleen Camp, who was the uh, Colleen Camp's been a lot of stuff. She she had a short period of time there uh, where she was like a femme fatale, and then I think she had kids off off her movies and everything and she just became like a mom oh wow and uh you've seen her in so many things as both like you probably remember as as uh the femme fatale she was the um uh the maid from clue oh yeah yeah, yeah. and as like a mom she was like the woman from wayne's world that was the her husband was brian doyle murray who owned the arcade shop yeah 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 she sat next to him and everything that was also called there's a lot of noise up in that little booth (laughs) yeah they must love you (laughs) you're really hit (laughs) well that's colleen camp and then there's sandra Locke. sandra Locke, most people know as uh clint eastwood's ex-wife in the 70s he put her in everything she she wasn't great but Uh he put her in everything and so if, if you know like sudden death uh sudden impact she was in she was in the gauntlet a whole bunch of stuff that uh, clint eastwood did but apparently in 1977 they had done this kind of low budget movie called death game where they played this these two insane lesbian couple that just showed up at this guy's house mm-hmm. and in the rain and uh, talked their way in and then gradually seduced him and then the next morning said hey we're 50 i'm 15 she's 16 you're gonna do everything we want you to do. And basically they make his life hell oh, wow. for the next couple of days. And uh, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a hard movie for you to find. Uh, but they did remake it, so I won't spoil it. Okay. Apparently in 2017, they remade it. It's called Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves. Have you seen that? Have you heard of it? I feel like I did see that. I watched the trailer. It looks like an exact I remember that now. Uh, yeah. The, like The girl who played Marilyn Monroe. That uh, Diamas, what is her name? I don't know, uh, she, but I, I, yeah, know I can't remember her name. Uh, she just got nominated for an Oscar. She was one of the girls, and mm. then there was another girl I didn't recognize, and it was the same exact movie with Keanu Reeves. You open the door, and uh, then they make his life hell. They just update it and everything, and it got horrible reviews. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even know it was a remake. Uh, I, so I just got Death Game, and I, I liked it a lot. It made my very good list. Now, one that made my fantastic list, and this movie, holy crap. Try to find this movie. It's very, very hard. Uh I don't even think you can rent it. It was one of those movies, and I and I found somebody like a month ago that was selling it on eBay, and I bought it for fifteen dollars, mm. and it showed up snapped in half. No, I was like, holy crap! And I, I was like, do you know how rare this movie is, dude? I was yeah. I was dancing. And you it just came made out somebody the- else's collection more valuable. <laughs> so I haven't named the movie yet, but it's 1989's The Cook, The Thief. His wife and her lover. Have you heard of that? I've, the name is familiar. I mean, that's a definitely a very recognizable yeah. name, and it's rated X, and hmm. rightly so because this movie was fucked up. It was really good. It was kind of like if Kubrick did the movie The Menu, but also is kind of mixed with like a David Lynch type quality. So basically, what's going on? Best thing I've ever seen Michael Gambon do. Uh, Michael Gambon is from. Uh, the Harry Potter films, he played Gandalf after Richard Harris died. 
Hmm. Uh, so for the majority of the movies, he was Gandalf. But he played like a Bill the Butcher type scary character who hmm. is like the thief. And his wife was Helen Mirren. And it, it was rated X, this movie. Uh, and Helen Mirren, Dame Hel- Helen Mirren, was completely nude through the, almost the whole thing. Wow. Full frontal everything. I And it was done almost like a Shakespearean play. There was like three main sets, this uh, this dining room, the kitchen, and kind of outside. Mm. And anytime somebody pat, this is kind of the artsy part of it, which I really uh, appreciated. Uh, anytime someone moved, anytime was somebody was in the dining room, they were all in red. Their mm. outfits were in red, the tones were in red, and then when they did this kind of great dolly shot to the next room, all their outfits would change to green or blue, depending on what room they were in. Huh. And it just kept happening through the whole thing. You would see it happen, and it was like this unique thing, and it kind of really, you don't notice a lot of color in movies unless it's like hammered at you. Right, And this yeah. was one of them that was really done well. But basically... She she hates the relationship she's in with her husband. He's a uh, he's a mobster. Tim Roth is his like uh, right hand man, and this was four years before Reservoir Dogs, so I couldn't believe it. Oh wow! And uh, his wife keeps going into the bathroom. She keeps making eyes at a guy across the restaurant, and eventually they go into the bathroom and have sex, and they continually do it over and over and over again under the husband's eyes and everything. And he's a horrible person just calling out every customer and you want him to be killed and everything. But it deals with a lot of like nudity and a lot of like rotting flesh and a lot of shit. And then eventually gets to cannibalism and you're like, what the hell is going on in this movie? This was a wild, wild ride. That's not for everybody, but for uh, a select few out there, it's a great fucking flick. I yeah. loved it. I loved it. Made my fantastic list. Eric, he's talking to you. <laughs> Eric would watch this. No, no. Uh, Eric's like you. He's he's got a, a certain amount of time, yeah. kind of allotted to him. Yeah. And that's why he can only watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's a non horror movie, he'll eventually he'll he'll watch some old '80s classics and everything. But other than that, horror movies like yeah, like my copy of Hamburger the movie came in the mail today. I'm sure his is going to come in. <laughs> too, so. We'll both realize how horrible that piece of shit was. Oh, I'm sure it, it wasn't good but it was when i was 13 i was like oh my god this is the world to me mm-hmm. <laughs> but today this was a huge movie to me huge movie to you oh yeah i loved this movie 1988's moving richard Pryor. richard Pryor, man towards the end of his career too man and he put out a banger here i always remember this movie fondly because uh it involves eric eric had the uh the uh eric's friend had this movie he had stolen it from the video store. This is back when you had to oh, pay like ninety dollars. Yeah. yeah, it was like ninety dollars. So he stole it from the video store, and uh, he didn't take it out of the video store case. So his mother returned it one day after he owned it for like <laughs> for a month or something. Thought it was awesome. Yeah, uh, but this was in our rotation as as kids. They played a whole lot on HBO, like you thought. That's they would. I mean, that's where I saw. Did it. you see it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so they did play it there, but I'm pretty sure this was a VHS movie for me mm. uh, because I didn't see it as much later on when I owned it in like the 90s uh, I watched the hell out of it but in the 80s I think this is one that I had to rent because I didn't play it a whole lot yeah I mean I grew up only ever like I've only ever seen it on TV nice um, you know but yeah it was but unedited you saw it on oh TV. yeah Cable. I mean I remember Cable, yeah. yeah I mean mostly HBO but I remember like TNT would play it sometimes mm-hmm. you know what I mean like on the weekends or something like that yeah this was a strong R but not for nudity it was for it was for swearing this yeah, was, was this pushed the limits 88 you in 88, you 
when you had more than like 10 F-words in it, yeah. it kind of set you apart. Yeah. Because 87 was the pinnacle. It was RoboCop. When RoboCop came out, you were like, holy hell. Yeah. I've never seen so many F-words string together. Uh, they might have had... I, I suppose Scarface probably was had it too, but for RoboCop, it was like a... Uh, that, that is Dave texting <laughs> during a pod. He, he's sending an attachment. Uh, I'll have to share it with everybody. Uh, <laughs> To get for after. I hope it's not bad news. <laughs> it's a picture. This is great. This is great for everybody. <laughs> so Dave, Dave just sent me a meme of Prince Charles, and on it it says, or I guess it's King Charles now. Yeah. It says, "74-year-old man." Uh, 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 <laughs> Seventy-four. <laughs> I had to read ahead. Seventy-four-year-old man excited to get first job after years of living off his mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's good shit. All right, thank you, Dave, for the. Uh, <laughs> He did that on purpose. Yeah. Uh, so back to Moving Man. Yeah. It's a fucking great movie. Why don't you give us a uh, synopsis and we'll work our way through the cast. So uh, Richard Pryor plays Arlo Pear, and he's a family man. And also, um, is he an architect? I believe he's an architect. Transportation specialist. Okay. That's right. <clears throat> and he has been assigned a new job across the country, and he and his family are moving. Nice. <laughs> great recap right there. Uh, so yeah, Richard Pryor, man, and this was definitely towards the end of his career. There's a couple trivia things about him on this, uh, that really, uh, uh, kind of hit home of, uh, how old he was and how much the MS was getting to him. Mm. Uh, but before this, and just to give you in the kind of the timeline of the movies he, he has done early in the seventies, he had kind of, obviously he was a stand-up comedian all through that time, but yeah. he made a pretty good career in films. And there was one recently that I had watched that I've pimped several times in the uh, pod and I will pimp again right now because it is my favorite Richard Pryor film and I just saw it last year for the first time was Blue Collar Mm -hmm. I think it was like 76 77 but if you're out there find Blue Collar man he is so good in it it's him Harvey Keitel Yafat Kodo uh and it's it's awesome man it's really good but before that he had done Car Wash Silver Streak now he had to do a string of the Gene Wilder yeah those are so I loved especially the later ones like I loved uh, See No Evil Hair No Evil oh yeah absolutely that hit right at a perfect time for us great movie really good Uh, Stir Crazy obviously I went back and watched We Are Both big fans of the toy yeah Uh, and that's when he was killing it man yeah Yeah, when he did the toy I think that's Almost the same year, I think the toy came out. Superman three came out. And oh wow! I went back and rewatched that recently, and man, he was great in that movie. Yeah, he I was. Loved, I loved him in yeah. that movie, man. But then after Superman three, Brewster's Millions, uh, probably my favorite. If the best acting he has ever done was in Blue Collar, my favorite film he's ever done was probably Brewster's. Millions. I love Brewster's Millions. Brewster's Millions is one of those movies where anytime you can come up with a scenario yeah. where the where the movie watcher is thinking during the movie you, what would I a, do now's a great time for that movie oh uh, you it, know it, and they could easily redo that I mean they would have no. to they'd have to bump the numbers up a little bit yeah. to what he gets yeah. but even 300 million dollars yeah, as the final a lot prize of fucking money. It, I mean they did make it pretty good uh Critical Condition came out right before moving, and I loved Critical Condition. Yeah, that man. was a good one. Oh, that was one of those rare gems that we, we probably do on this one time. That's the one where the power goes out in the hospital, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Ruben Blades I've is in it. I've seen it a couple of times, uh, but I remember it being really funny. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, then after moving, he did See No Waver, Hand Evil, and then one of his last movies was your favorite, uh, Harlem, Harlem Nights. Nights. Yeah. I fucking loved him in that movie because he was, there was only a couple of like jokes that he did. Yeah. 
he was he was getting beyond well but he was a father figure in that movie and cast well then yeah him and working with eddie murphy who's you know at that time the next fucking richard Pryor. you know what i mean and uh, yeah i just i loved his yeah red fox i mean jesus that that whole cast is just legendary i've seen the movie three times and it's a shame i i feel like i it's one of those movies i feel like i should have seen 20 times yeah and i've only seen i think i've seen it three times this year yeah (laughs) like I, i it's it literally is one of my favorite movies of all time so there's a bunch of this cast here, man, that is fantastic. They oh, really yeah, work dude. some great character actors in this. And a couple of them we can, I'll just, we can fly by and you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, but just to give some love to the uh, the woman who played his wife, Beverly Todd. She mm-hmm. played Monica Parr in this. She was in Vice Squad, which, man, me and Dave have to do Vice Squad. Vice Squad's that X-rated movie about the pimp who beats his prostitutes with a uh, coat hanger and then the cops are chasing him through the whole movie. It was a wild oh, 70s wow. movie uh, that was on that Terror in the Isles movie that we watched, but I actually loved it. Uh, she was also in Baby Boom uh, and she was in Lean on Me. Oh, wow. Now, <laughs> this movie has two batshit crazy people in it, uh, one of them being Stacy Dash, uh, who I actually really liked back in the day, but I was surprised that she wasn't in more things that I knew. You know, I, I think I think we all know her from moving Mo Money, Renaissance Man, and Clueless. Yeah. And I think eighty five percent of people know her from Clueless. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but she has been. She's like a crazy right wing. Just she's just crazy. Yeah. Google it, kids. Uh, another person you want to Google is Randy Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> because Randy Quaid has basically become this character. He has. He, he is this guy yeah. in this movie. Take Frank or Cornell, decide which. And it's a shame, man. If you look up Randy Quaid's fucking filmography, man. Oh, yeah, dude. Banger after banger, man. I mean, he had done a lot of low-level stuff up until, like, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, and that's when it started taking off for him, but he was in The Wraith. Uh, same year as moving was Caddyshack 2, and that oh, character wow. was great. Yeah. Uh, even after Caddyshack 2, he, he did a couple, like, really great indie flicks, even before he did Christmas Vacation. Do you remember Parents from the 80s? It's a horror movie. On the front cover, it's like him preparing food with a wife and there's like a tentacle coming out of a pot. Mm, I don't. And it's a creepy, a kid whose parents are super creepy and you think they're like either otherworldly or monsters or something. And it was a weird indie flick. Vaguely. And I'm not sure what the outcome was. If they really, they were, they were horrible people, but I'm not sure if it was something like supernatural or not. Hmm. So I, I may have a little piece of trivia on here Ooh, that nice. you don't have. So um, did you get to the twins yet? Mm-mm. Okay. So I only have them as in I have one of them doing nothing and the other one only doing one thing. Yeah. So this is interesting. So the I imagine the one you have is Raphael Harris, right? Because um, they're, they're twins in this movie. Yep. So all I can see, and I know the people at home can't see yep. that. You see that picture you right there? You know what that's from? That yeah. you, you could give us the movie. A- and I, I was looking at this picture, and it's a picture of this kid, and yep. he's like obviously in like a padded room. I don't think I would have got that. If you just showed me that picture, I would have recognized it, but I don't think I would have been I able instantly to was from. like, wait a minute. Was this kid also in Scrooge? Exactly. Because that's the scene that the little kid that doesn't talk, she's showing him yeah. Christmas future. Man, you must have seen Scrooge a lot of times because uh, that's a rare pull right Yeah, there. I couldn't believe it myself. Yeah. So I clicked on him and I went to movies and the only two he did was Scrooge and moving. Yep. That's interesting. Really good. Uh, also, great characters. Here's the slew of character actors in this film. So the two guys that hire uh, Arlo to go to Idaho 
is uh, one of them is Gordon Jump, who you he, you might know him as Mr. Carlson from WKRP. Huh. He was also the one who molested Dudley in the bike shop in Different Strokes. Oh, wow. It sucks that you got to get known for that, Gordon. But I loved Gordon. He was a very likable character. Uh, Dave Thomas was the other guy who was the the other half of Strange Brew. Yeah. It was him. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he was an SCTV. Uh, and he went on to be in that uh, that show Grace Under Fire. He was the pharmacist. He's always the head cone head to me. Yeah. He oh, yeah. See? Narfle the Garthog. Yeah. Right. Any TV thing he was he was all over yeah. now the coach coach Wilcox played by Julius Carey who's un- unfortunately no longer with us why don't you yeah. tell what tell us what we know him from motherfucking show enough show enough Ugh, apparently awesome. he played in a lot of minor stuff but without that hair you can understand how people would just go without knowing oh who yeah that is yeah uh, we, we obviously love those movies so one of my favorite character uh, actors in this movie is Alan Oppenheimer, man. I, Alan Oppenheimer played the guy who said, uh, you like those windows? Sorry, we're going to take them with us. Oh, yeah. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that is the voice of Skeletor. Oh, he, wow. He has done Skeletor his entire life. He's also the voice of Man of Arms, Merman. He's the voice of Vanity Smurf. He's the, warf, uh, the voice of Warpath from Transformers. And he's the voice of Falcor from NeverEnding Story. You know, the white dog flying creature. Yeah. So he has done voices for everything. But he was also a huge TV guy. He was, uh, he was the mayor of Raytown in Mama's Family. Huh. He was also the head of the grocery store in Mayor with Children. Remember the one where they had to, they did like the supermarket sweep in? <laughs> yeah. one of the most yeah, famous yeah. episodes of yeah. Mayor with Children. He played Mr. Foodie. So he he always kind of played, he, he was this dorky kind of Homer Simpson type haircut. You know, he always had this kind of look like he should be playing an accountant, but he's been in like 300 things. Huh. But the voice of Skeletor is always what I thought from. Now, uh, another person that's great in this, and I'm going to fuck this name up, is Jutu Kumbuka. And I'll tell you, you definitely know him from Brewster's Millions. Really? Remember, he was the guy that he hired as head of security. Yeah, yeah the big that's black right. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's also in Harlem Nights. Harlem Nights. Who yep. do you play in Harlem Nights? He's the toothless guy. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm almost positive that's him. I wonder if he's missing a tooth that he can take out because I'm pretty sure in Volunteers he had no he he was missing a tooth because he had a lisp in Volunteers. Remember that was the one where uh, Tom Hanks and John Candy joined the Peace Corps. Yeah. He he screws Tom Hanks out at the beginning of the movie in a poker game and remember this. That great scene where he chases him down the runway and he clings onto the plane mm-hmm. and he's like, "I'll kill your mother, your father, your whole family." Yeah. Oh man, he was so good. He was also a like one of the pimps or the main pimp in uh, Bachelor Party. Really? Yep. Uh, now the other guy you'll remember is the other mover in this movie who's all tatted up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Robert Lasardo. Now Robert Lasardo did a lot. We should have done him on the character. Absolutely. The yeah. We did him because. Strange enough, when I see him now, the only thing I think of, he was in, uh, do you ever watch that uh, TV show Nip Tuck? I never saw it, the, but I'm You know familiar. what it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where uh, they're plastic surgeons doing shady shits. Well, at the beginning of the, the first season dealt with uh, uh, drug mules that were filling women's uh, breasts with like oh, drugs. Wow. And they would get back and they would have them take them out of their thing. Oh, wow. Out of their uh, breasts. Yeah. And uh one of them leaked, and one of it. I had that whole scene. Oh shit! But uh, one of the uh, that main guy that was forcing the women to do it was this guy, was Robert Lasardo. Uh, but he was also, I think, Short Circuit Two was his first movie. Oh wow! I uh, played one of the thugs. He ends up always playing a thug, unfortunately, always. because yeah. he just kind of has that look. Yeah. Uh, 
So it, very similar to like Al Leong, this guy mm-hmm. kind of goes around and, and plays. Those I bet you they characters. were in a couple movies. Oh, together. for sure. I bet you they were. Uh, so some of the movies Robert Sarda was in was uh, Short Circuit Two, Renegades, which I love, and I have to revisit that man. Do, do you remember that with Keither and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips? And it's like a bounty hunter thing. One of them is yeah. transporting the other one, and uh, it's kind of like a midnight run type of thing, but uh, with those two guys. Kind of. I remember it so... I own it. I know that. But I remember it so little. I, I can't I even it. tell you who the guy... I think <sighs> it's I think it's Kiefer's the cop, and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips is the criminal. Yeah, I'm getting it confused with the one with... Um... Flashback. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, another yeah, yeah. kind of one that's like that. Uh, so also, he was in Hard to Kill, Out for Justice, Leon, Drop Zone, Waterworld. I don't know who he played in Waterworld. I'm sure he was just one of the he dudes. He must have been one of the guys at the town on that the, they were in, the floating city. I mean, yeah. it had to have been. Or a tanker. Uh, now, Dana Carvey, man. Oh, I, wow. I love this. And I actually put it... Dana Carvey's done some movies that you're surprised he has done. Mm-hmm. Like, he played one of the um, ambulance guys in Halloween 2. Like the original, really too. Just random. Holy shit! That's Dana Carvey. Interesting. Uh, he did the same thing in like uh, this is Spinal Tap. You just randomly see Dana Carvey there. Uh, he was in Tough Guys. Remember him in Tough yeah. Guys? It was a weird role for him because he was completely straight, like a sweet guy. Oh, maybe like, I don't. He plays the kind of guy that he does in moving when he first meets him. Yeah, and, through he's Tough like Guys. Like a stereo salesman or something like that. I swear. No, he's the one who's he's like their uh, uh, their uh, what is it uh, when they get out of jail. Who takes care of him? Uh, the halfway house. No, the uh, the guy. Parole that, officer. No, yeah, he's there. He, yeah, yeah. There you go. He's their parole <laughs> officer. Remember, he's so sweet to them and lets them kind of do whatever they want. Yeah, and everything. So he played that character. But then, right after moving, he did Opportunity Knocks. Uh, this is all before Wayne's World. Wow. So he did moving. Then he did Opportunity Knocks, which I fucking love. I love Opportunity Knocks. That's the one where he's the con man. Yeah. Uh, God, I'm trying to remember that one. Robert Loge's in it. He works his way into the family and everything. Remember, he steals his baseball. There's that whole great scene where. Robert Loja makes toilets, oh, toilet blowers. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a great scene where Danny yeah, Carvey is uh, doing his George Bush impression. Oh, wow. Uh, where he's like, blowers are good, yeah. toilet paper bad. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really funny, man. Maybe I haven't They might that. have that. On, that that would totally be one that you would have loved back Yeah, then, oh, I'm too. sure. Uh, and then obviously he did Wayne's World and then things picked up for him. Yeah. Uh, now, Patrick, uh, Patrick Crenshaw played the Packer. Which I we know as like my boy Blue man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. He, and he looked just as old in this movie as he did Ever. fifteen years yeah. after or before it. Uh, a couple random. These are the three random character actors that somehow worked their way. Uh, obviously, Richard Pryor has some pull uh, because Morris Day was in this from Morris Day in the Time. Oh, I, I always love him, but he had one of my favorite cameos was not only in this but also in Adventures of Fort Fairlane. He was in, huh. and he was in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, obviously where he did his dance and yeah. everything. But he, Purple Rain, I guess we should mention his big one. Yeah, King Kong Bundy in this movie as the one of the movers. Yeah. who became really sweet at the end yeah uh, playing gorgo and one of my favorite cameos in the whole movie and you'll find out why once you find out who directed this movie is uh roddy dangerfield as the lone broker yeah oh god i can't what's the name of the horse i can't remember oh, come on white lightning yeah something, something like, like that, that was great know? uh so he did this movie right before uh, right between back to school and ladybugs oh, that's wow. kind of when this was done so, as far as the crew goes, the director, and this is like I said, you'll know why Rodney came on board. The director was Alan Meter, uh, and he directed Back to School. 
Oh, wow. I, I love Back to School. So he had a, he got a couple bangers, and then he had one of the biggest shit stains you'd ever imagine on your filmography. <laughs> so he, sorry, I didn't mean to do that while you're drinking. Uh, so he did Back to School, then moving, and then he did Police Academy. Yes, Mission to Moscow. No, uh, that's one of the worst movies. What ever a made. career ending! Fucking I, I think movie. you, me, and Dave would all agree that that was one of the worst movies ever made. <sighs> when Lassard's catching uh, catching what is it meatballs or something in his yeah, mouth or eggs? Like was it yeah, eggs? I, maybe they were spitting them back and forth into uh, each other. Mouth at the table. That was a horrible piece of shit yeah. movie. Oddly there was nothing enough, redeemable about that movie. Oddly enough, I was just the other day just thinking like they need to just reboot Police Academy. Like they just need to do it. They have enough original cast members that they can you. run the Police Academy. And you can have all these new comedians come in and be the new Police Academy and revamp the franchise yeah. and fucking make three more movies. That would be hilarious. Two weeks from today, the machine comes out in the theaters. That's that Burke Kreischer yeah. one that's based on his standup routine. Yeah. And that's going to be a hard R, very funny comedy. And if yeah. that does well, I think it really would possibly open the doors to some raunchy comedies coming back out there because even, we need some, you know, it even just popped into my head. Fucking get broken lizard to yeah. team. They're in it. They're them. doing another movie. I know they're doing. Yeah. Well, I saw that picture Quasi of them all writing on the plane. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. they have the quasi movie that just came out yeah. on Hulu there's on four twenty. Oh, there's a police. Ca- uh, the there's a super, super troopers, troopers three. three. That's yeah. what that was. And yeah. they're working on um, Potfest. Oh, nice. And they're like legitimately working on it. Now that makes sense. Yeah, that should happen. All right, so the writer on this movie, Andy Breckman, who who wrote a bunch of good ones, uh, made some money for sure. So he, he wrote Moving, then he wrote Arthur 2 on the Rocks, which I love. If you're an Arthur fan, do you ever watch Arthur, the Arthur movies back in the day, the Dudley Moore ones? I did, but I was too young to understand yeah. them. Oh. But I remember him in like the hot tub and just oh, yeah, being yeah. drunk all the time. And if Liza you liked Minnelli. Dudley Moore's kind of being drunk, then you love those movies. So, yeah. so this guy wrote Moving, Arthur 2 on the Rocks, Hut the Trot, which I love. Stupid huh. shit, but funny as hell. Yeah. He wrote IQ. Do you remember that one? Where Walter Matthau played Einstein. No. And it had Meg Ryan and Tim Robbins in it. And uh, it was an interesting one. It was kind of a romantic comedy. He also did uh, Sergeant Bilko and Rat Race. Ah. I've, seen, uh, I've seen both those once, I think. Mm. I think I own both of them, though. Now, the cinematographer on this, man, he was experienced. So Donald Mc, uh, McAlpine, we should all know his names. Uh, all know his name because he had done Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Predator. Predator is a big one. Coming from all these comedies that I'm listing here, Predator is very uh, big to be a cinematographer on. So he did Down Up Beverly Hills, Predator, Moving, Moon Over Parador, which I love. A lot of people don't know about that movie. Uh, Parenthood, The Hard Way, also love. Career Opportunities, Medicine Man, Patriot Games, Mrs. Doubtfire. That's a huge one. The Edge. Moulin Rouge and X-Men Origins. So that guy has done a bunch. That's a very vast, you know, fucking range there. Oh, yeah, man. Now, the composer, Howard Shore, he is one of the five best composers ever to kind of compose for film, man. He's just done a whole bunch of them. And I'll list a, a, just a slew of them off here. My favorite being The Fly. I think 1986, The Fly, the score for that is one of the best scores ever made, man. Yeah. God, it's so good. Go back and rewatch that. When was the last time you saw The Fly, man? Oh, God. Oh, man. It's, a, it's been a while. It's a good one to revisit, man. So he was, apparently, Howard Shore started out as a Cronenberg guy because the first three, or I think he's a lot more than what I put on here, but... Uh, Three of them being Scanners, Video Drum, and The Fly. Then he did Moving and Big. Got right back big into a huge one again with Silence of the Lambs, Mrs. Doubtfire, Philadelphia, Seven, Copland, The Game. So he's a Fincher guy now. Panic Room. And then won all his Oscars. Three Oscars, I think. All for Lord of the Rings movies. Hmm. All, all three of me, I think he won the Oscar for. Wow. And then he uh, did Gangs of New York and a slew that I'm not even mentioning here. But yeah, he is, he's one of the best, man. He's definitely on that Mount Rushmore of composers. That's crazy. 
crazy. Uh, so the film release date, March 4th, 1988. Good year. Good, <laughs> good day. I remember it well. Uh, filming locations, California and Idaho. You know, from what I've heard from a lot of people, Idaho is like one of the, the best states to live in, but everyone that lives there doesn't talk about it because yeah. of that. Yeah. I, I've heard people on pods before actually say, yeah, we don't talk about Idaho because yeah. we don't want anyone to come out there. Yeah. But it was kind of used as a butt of people's jokes in this. Oh, yeah. Uh, they really didn't. They didn't really dive. High. Really, what they should have done is showed them in the city, and then moving to like Idaho, and yeah. th- maybe that would have been uh, better. Now, the budget. No matter how much I looked, I could not figure out what the budget of this movie huh. was. But it grossed ten point eight, and my guess is it was less than ten point eight to make this movie. Probably my guess in this in eighty eight. This is probably a five six million dollar movie, so it, it made a little bit of money. But I also never knew anyone that saw it in the theater. Oh yeah, no, me neither. No, I mean, this was all straight kind of HBO and everything. Yeah. So just a just a few trivia things here, not a whole lot. Richard Pryor's last solo starring film. I mean, that really wasn't his thing, anyways. He, he kind of always shared the screen with either Gene Wilder or Jackie yeah. Gleason or something, so it wasn't a big thing. So Jutu Kumbuka, who is uh, uh, the one of the movers, yeah, him and Pryor have worked together on moving Brewster's Millions and Harlem Nights before, and he's worked twice with. Uh, uh, Tom Hanks. So, uh, two of the uh, this one I thought was interesting. So, two of the arcade games that were on the the table for the Pears yard sale were mm-hmm. Yars Revenge, which is a big game, and Gremlins. I thought that was interesting. Huh. Uh, Richard Pryor's gaunt appearance is caused by his MS. His unusual facial hair is an attempt to hide uh, how kind of thin his face had gotten. Oh, wow. Because he does have a weird kind of beard thing that doesn't yeah. connect to the ear. And it, well, no, it's I like think, a, yeah, I think it's more It stops a, here. Like, there's nothing there. Yeah. It just goes to here. And I think that was just to fill in the kind the of cheeks. like... The cheeks. The yeah. cheeks right there. So, I mean, it worked. Uh, and obviously... I mean, we we were seeing him. He wasn't having mobility issues at this time, but you could tell that there was a, something a little bit off yeah. uh, with him. You really could see it in, uh, in Hear No Evil, See No Evil. Yeah. That's when you really could tell. Uh, so the only film that Rodney Dangerfield and Richard Pryor appeared in, and apparently Rodney wrote all his lines, and it took him two hours to film, huh. which is pretty big for a uh, notorious pothead like Rodney. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's great that he came in to do it, too. So let's talk about some of our favorite stuff with moving here, man. Oh, it, dude, it was a great lot. premise to begin with. You know, they they start with that great firing scene where he gets fired and he gives the guy his index finger, Nerd. which became a great kind of thing back in the day. Oh, that's right. It was index. I thought it was, it was ring finger. finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave him my, the wrong finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of, and, and it was a good kind of transition for his character. It kind of developed the idea that he's kind of a wimp but he, I mean, he'll verbally stand up for himself, but that's about it. Not yeah. until the end does he make a a Rambo esque kind of t- t- tying his tie on his forehead. Yeah. And he's not going to take anyone's shit anymore, and that's basically what it is. There's there's elements of this that remind you of Money Pit, uh, for sure, because in Money Pit nothing went right for him, man. Yeah. And it's kind of what happened to Arlo during this whole thing. So he got fired. He wasn't taking many job offers, and he had to kind of see uh, Gordon Jump and Dave Thomas about the uh, the job in Idaho. And then it, the movie kind of really kicked off in that dinner sequence, you know, when he's he's got to tell his wife about it. Yeah, I love the working with the potatoes. You know? Yeah, <laughs> are these Idaho potatoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the first times I saw like a a, a swear jar. Uh, oh, worked interesting. In, and I love the uh, how they worked it in with that. Remember, they've got uh, because. Uh, 
he he eventually tells him the job's in uh, Boise and everyone flips out uh, rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, the girls, a senior in high school, doesn't want to leave. The yeah. kids, I, the kids were probably fine on it. They they wanted to re up on the scams that they were. Yeah, they needed anyways, new the twins, new yeah. territory. The wife wasn't happy that she had to move again and everything. So I love that Stacy Dash busts into a couple swears and you hear Arlo go, "That's a quarter in the swear jar." And yeah. She puts like a dollar and she goes on this like Steve Martin esque rant yeah. of uh, swears. And I love when the uh, the Mom sends the two twins out of the uh, room and she just grabs her purse and starts counting out bills. Yeah. Like she's going to swear for an hour. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, but yeah, then it came on uh, right when it started when they realized, all right, we're going to move. And then that's when the movie kind of really got on with the different stuff they had to do. I love the scene where he's sitting down with them and he's got a plan. Mm-hmm. It almost was like when you're watching that scene, you were like, wow, they could this could have been a Chevy Chase. Yeah, know, no, I, I, I actually get it confused with National Lampoons yeah, when they're sitting there with the Pong and they like create the map. And yeah, they're that's National Lampoons. It. But in this, yeah. it's like a almost like a whiteboard type of thing, I think, or chalkboard uh-huh. that he or no, it's like a uh, he keeps uh it's like one of those easels with a uh oh yeah kind of white paper yeah it was before a powerpoint presentation (laughs) but it was basically the thing and he had wrote up about we're gonna have the yard sale we're gonna sell the house we're gonna visit boise we get to see him do all that yeah some of the best elements in this movie though stacy dash trying to uh to fuck up the sale which was a which was a great kind of Cosby show also Randy Quaid uh, Randy Quaid yeah. yeah let's mention talk a little bit about Randy Quaid's character yeah so he is just this belligerent psychotic trash neighbor almost reminiscent to the mailman from Funny Farm even uh, that shift that he makes when he shows up at the house yeah yeah Um, and he basically just enjoys bullying Richard Pryor you I lo- know I love him attacking the, the newspaper carrier oh the beginning. god so fucking funny. supposed to be on the porch. This, this is a bush. Yeah. See what's on these bushes? Leaves. Yeah. They're green. They're yeah. leafy. Yeah. See the porch? Cold. Yeah. Concrete. Isn't he like dragging him <laughs> yeah, around? He's putting his like, face, putting in, his face and everything. in everything. <laughs> or know? then when he's doing the uh, the helicopter, like the remote control helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. But also at the yard sale, he, <laughs> you know, um, Richard Pryor's making a sale and he's negotiating with somebody. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, Randy Quaid walks up to him and he's like, well, I'll give you this much. And the guy said, I'll give you this much, you know, and he gets the price up really, really high. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, oh, it's too rich for my blood. And he turns around and he walks away. And Randy Quaid goes, yeah, you know what? I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> and he steals a thing of yeah, mustard he steals from him. All of it, like yeah. a whole case of that mustard. That was one of the creative things that I don't think people like uh, that, uh, that don't work in production design realize or get enough credit for. Yeah. The, they worked in one line uh, earlier in the movie that why don't you work with the, the wife's dad owned a mustard company. Mm. And there was a moment when they had the swear jar and it's an empty mustard. Uh, oh, wow. Bottle. I didn't notice and that. And that's yeah. like one of those things that's like, that is actually, cre- I don't didn't realize until 10th viewing or something yeah. like that. But then you're watching it and you're, you're like, that's kind of a creative thing or selling free or having free mustard at the yard sale because you have so much of it because your father works for it yeah. and everything. So I, I always thought that was clever. That's interesting. I never uh, noticed that. So, yeah, so the Randy Quaid character was a, was nuts. And yeah. they, they even worked it into a separate, like, he said, oh, you're moving out west, huh? He says, I have a relatives out oh, west God. and everything, but I don't make it out there much. And uh, obviously, uh, he, we come into contact with his brother later on. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> Just as crazy and uh, bad shit wild as he is, too. Yeah, but by that time, so is Richard Pryor. Yeah, 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 know? yeah, yeah. He can and deal with them. We're going to get along just fine, neighbor, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, the Stacey Dash character not wanting to move. So, yeah, she's... 
she's trashing the house like with prospective buyers come that first time. That's she, right. She made the first uh, time someone came by and made it look like the Manson murders. Yeah, I was say it was there. like a murder scene, yeah, I think. like Die, Pigs, Die was on the wall and everything. <laughs> yeah. And then the second prospective buyers, she rigged, I don't know how she did it, but uh, we're not supposed to ask those questions. But yeah. She rigged the kitchen to like basically every appliance to malfunction and explode all yeah. over the place. And eventually they tied her, I love this, That's that they right. tied her up into the garage, and no, into the, In basement, the basement. Yeah. And her arms above her head like over a pipe. They yeah. tied her and gagged her and then there was the prospective buyers wanted to check out the basement yep. and they were like and it was one of the guys from uh office space he mm-hmm. was in it uh and one of the bobs oh that's <laughs> the, the, right yeah the, yeah the shorter uh, the, the shorter, shorter guy. two yeah and so it was him and his wife and when they get down i love that richard Pryor and the wife just play it off like it was like completely normal. Yeah. Like what is going on? Why? Yeah. What are you doing to this girl? Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a class project. She's yeah. Sempery, uh, a sensory deprivation. She's doing. She's going for an A. She's doing yeah. really well. <laughs> and they they just bought it and yep. walked right by her <laughs> and everything. So that was a great scene. Yeah. Then Rodney scene, man. We should talk about Rodney. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Because they were about to buy the house. They they make a trip they out to Boise. Loan. They need yeah. to get a loan from the uh, from the bank. Yeah. And they get there and Rodney Dangerfield's the loan broker. You a gambling man? Are you a gambling man, yeah. Arlo? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just gambled a whole lot of the bank's money. Yep. He says, I bet it all on the long shot, forty to one in the sixth race of whatever. And then he actually just turns on the transistor radio or whatever. Yeah. And they're like all three of them are there rooting for the horse, yeah. rooting for the horse, yeah. and the horse wins. And they're like loans for. Everybody. <laughs> and starts putting the stamps. <laughs> but doesn't he get arrested right then? No, I don't think we see it. Oh, okay. So I, that they did the exact. This is weird. They did this exact same scene with Chevy in, Chase. In Chevy Chase in, in, dirty, in, in work. dirty Work. That's so and, funny. And it may end that way. Maybe that's what it uh, is. But remember, they break his arm in Dirty Work. That's uh, right. He's a compulsive gambler. And at one point, he's the doctor. He's coming in and he's got arms and casts and everything. Yeah. What I don't understand is when you don't pay a land, uh, loan shark and they throw you off a building, I still can't pay him. Yeah. <laughs> how am I supposed to pay? How am I supposed to work? <laughs> oh, it's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so what else? Uh, the Alan Hoppenheimer stuff, when they go and visit the house. They can't find a good oh, house yeah. in Idaho, and then they find the dream house. It's great. It's it's perfect is every way, but the, the owners are really quirky. Yeah. When they're wor- walking through the house, the owner's like, uh, hey, you like those windows? Don't get too attached to them because we're taking them with us. Yeah. And they both laugh together, and they do it like four or five times. Yeah. They, they, they talk about the stairs. They talk about the pool. They yep. talk about the front door and everything, and they just laugh and laugh. But on the first time, he says, oh, I'm just joking with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he doesn't say it after any others, yeah. you know? And so when they finally move to this fucking house, everything he said he's taking with him, he took with him. It's gutted. And like, they, gutted. And he calls him, and he's like, you know, you said you were joking, and he says, no, no, Pear. He said, I said I was joking about the first thing. I got the yeah. whole conversation recorded. <laughs> yeah. I told you fair and square I was taking all this stuff. And he's fucked. He's you fucked. know what I mean? It's just oh. one of the many things. Now, if we go back to, like, the movers, the movers, when they show up, they're two completely uncouth dude. It's yeah. the guy from Brewster's Millions and this guy from Nip Tuck. And they're, he's trying on, he's, he's grabbing his wife's underwear. He's trying yeah. on his suit. Yeah, uh, it's a nice suit. And they actually hear him through, and Arlo's like, all right, I heard your offer. Now yeah. I want you to leave the house, yeah. and I never want to do business with you And again. the the one guy stole from him. Yeah, he stole yeah. from him. He was going through the wife's purse and everything, yeah. and then literally 
10 seconds after they close the door, another woman shows up and she's like the sweetest, nicest. She works for a moving company. She's charging double. Yeah. But you will get it from uh, door to door service. And yeah. They were Insured. Like, they were like, fine, we'll do it. But when the time comes for the moving company to show up, those two guys that showed up earlier had gotten fired from their job and they joined this company and they were yeah. like one of their first things. So he has to deal with those guys after yeah. all. Yeah. And then it's got the the packer is blue from oh, uh, from old school. You get he's packing like the... one micro machine at yeah. a time. Yeah, he's like, let me guess, you get paid by the hour. And that's right, yes, sir. <laughs> I love that scene too because they were like, uh, they can't find Arlo. Remember, it's the storm at night, and Arlo is actually on the roof with his legs stuck in like one of the shingles, adjusting the uh, antenna. What do you call it? The antenna, yeah, or satellite dish. Yeah, and uh, they're all looking for him and everything, and they can't find him. And the 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 mom's the wife's like shouting to like nobody in the room. Arlo, where are you? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you hear Blue in the background saying, "Maybe the guy on the roof knows where yeah, he is." That's right. And she's like, "What? Yeah, the guy screaming and yelling, yeah. waving his arms on the roof. Maybe he knows where your husband is." <laughs> oh. oh, so much fun, man! And then Dana Carvey, man. So one thing oh they, he needs is this is uh, my wife loved this moment in the movie because uh, one of the Saab turbos that were super popular around that time was used in the movie. And apparently the same engine in the Saab turbo mm. is in my wife's car. She has oh, like a uh, Saturn Ion Redline, which yeah. is like one of the, uh, the the big kind of... It's like a Saturn sports car. Yeah, it's like a sports car. Yeah. It's like the one sports car they did that is very sought after. People love it and they'll, they'll buy anything if it's got original shit on it. But apparently the same engine was in that Saab. Oh, wow. So she knew it immediately. I, mean, yeah. I hated the way Saabs looked, man. Ugh, ugly yeah, ass car. I wasn't man. a fan. I mean, it may move like a fucking uh, shot of lightning like crap. it looks like crap yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah i hear what uh i don't care i hear how what fa- priuses can do yeah but i see them i don't the- care how fast a turd can drive <laughs> <laughs> it flushes real quick yeah. uh so he has to hire somebody to drive his baby that he like wipes with a diaper and yeah. everything across country and dana carvey shows up and he's the sweetest, nicest. And not only is that, he, he used to work summers as his, a mechanic for His Saab. dad owned a Saab dealership. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, so you sold it. And he said, no, sir, I'm a mechanic. I uh, worked on these cars. It, it, like, this is a dream yeah. scenario yeah. kind of written up. And see, everything else that's going bad, at least this guy he shows yeah. up, he's fine. So, um, he said, I'm 30 seconds late, I'm, sir. <laughs> you know? I'm really he says, sorry well, That's okay. Why don't you come inside and I'll fix you a drink? And he said, well, I don't drink. But a lemonade would be great. You know what I mean? And he's it's like Eddie like, Haskell, and, man. And he's so like, he lets him walk in front of him, and he literally stops. Richard Pryor literally stops and looks up to God with his hands clasped, and yeah. he just goes, "Thank you." You know what I mean? And it all great. goes to hell when they stop on their way to Idaho when they're driving the family car with uh, a small U-Haul on it and everything. And uh, they stop at like a restaurant to get something to eat. And the two twins come up and say, Dad, Dad, the guy who's driving our car is famous. And I yeah. was like, you sure? You, you're damn right he is. And he's like, no, no, he really is. And he shows him a copy of Psychology Today. And it yeah. says the eight personalities <laughs> of this guy. And it opens it up and you can just see all these different outfits that Dana Carvey's oh, wearing. so funny. And you're like, what the hell? And not 10 seconds later, do you see him dressed up in drag as a woman driving the Saab next to Arlo? Yeah. Doing like this Marilyn Monroe kind of so uh, voice funny. and everything, yeah. and uh, then by the time they reached the end, I, I'm, the only bad thing is we didn't get to see him do more than like three characters: the yeah. sweet guy, the woman in drag, and and then the uh, the guy at the end who was kind Teddy? of like he was like thirteen year old or yeah. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny that you say that line. We used to quote that a lot growing up. Oh, yeah? da- that was one of my dad's favorite lines. Actually, he used to go Teddy. Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a random moving line. Yeah. But it's funny. Uh, 
So yeah, he shows up and the car is trashed. Oh my gosh. It looks I, like it's out of Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like the, it's a roll cage. The, uh, in the back of it has like a police car door yeah. instead of a bumper. Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. And he was like, what? This is not my car. What yeah. have you done to my car? This is a train wreck. And he's... He could tell that he's talking to a different personality and yeah. everything, and uh, and he he ends up giving him the teddy bear that yeah. was in the car. Um, oh, remember he's like he wants to talk to Brad, and he's like nobody talks to Brad, man. Brad's a genius, man. Nobody talks to Brad, you know. And Sounds just like that. Actually. Yeah, no, he really does. Don't let the Pope fool you, man. The Pope's a crazy. Pope. Yeah, you know. Don't let the hat fool you. And so he gives him, you know, shit. He gives him the the teddy bear, and he basically lets him walk away. Yeah. And as he's walking away, he starts singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. <laughs> yeah. But it's one personality yeah. after another. So eventually there's eight of him singing. Yeah, they do it as a round. It's yeah. Great. Oh, so fucking Man, funny. it's so many clever, cool, fun things they do in this movie, Well, man. and I mean, I have to just talk about the, the scene where he can't find their shit. You yeah. know, they're waiting on their shit to show yeah. up. And, <laughs> well, you say it that way. That's yeah. And that's so, a great line. Too. And he's like... He goes to this moving truck and he goes full on ninja. He's, he's got, at the bar. Remember, he's drinking at the bar. Yeah. And he just happens to see them outside because he also, before that, they went to New, uh, New Orleans. They went to Mardi Gras oh, with, that's uh, right. with the And they called truck. him from a fucking yeah, yeah. Uh, payphone. He's like, You need to be here right now. Hey, yeah. chill out. Chill out. Yeah. Mardi Gras is only for one more day or something. Yeah. <laughs> so he finds where they are and he goes over there and he's got this like. I don't know. It's almost like shoulder pads. It's like a biker leather jacket, yeah. you know, and he's put his tie on and yep. then he's put got grease, grease on his, on his face, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he has guns. He and goes, he has guns on. Yeah. Him too. You know, he's got like a fucking M60. Yeah. yeah. You know? I don't know where he got all that shit, but I don't either. But he goes and he basically kicks the shit out of all these guys. My favorite part of this scene is when um, King Kong Bundy comes and he like steps and he leans his head out from the side of the semi yeah. and then he grabs the side of the semi truck <laughs> and fucking slides it <laughs> yeah. over so that he can show himself yeah. you know and they end up getting into a very brief tussle and Richard Pryor beats the shit out of him and then gets on top of the truck as they drive mm. home and He's pulling into the driveway and his wife is like, Arlo, what are you doing? And he goes, honey, I found our shit. This is our shit. Yeah. Our, our shit, shit is, is here. here. <laughs> you know? like, uh, such then, a fucking fun time. And, and then the movers, they they all are like in line too. Like, uh, yeah. Like King Kong Pear. Bundy is like, Mrs. Pear, where would you like this? Oh, that is a perfect place I for think this. that's a great place for <laughs> it. <laughs> if you don't you mind know? me asking. Or oh, me saying so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, it was just uh, so funny, dude, yeah. man. I, as few movies as we got rich out of Richard Pryor because yeah. we could have gotten another ten movies God, out of him. I wish, man. Dude. I, I would have I would have loved it because he was good, man. Not, he was great. Not all those stand up comedians translate well to movies. He could have been on TV. He could have done movies. He was just multi talented. This guy and he, you know and he was a good person. Oddly enough, completely randomly, I was watching this um, interview with him on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson way back in the day. Um, and he was on there and there was this female journalist who had been like one of the longest standing people on TV, like beat uh -huh. Carson, you know, and they got into, and she was like, obviously a very upper crust white lady. Yeah. She didn't have prejudice. She wasn't racist or anything like that, but she had a lot of unrealistic views. She had lost a lot of touch mm -hmm. and 
in this interview, dude, he like tries to give her small doses of reality in very kind ways while still speaking for like millions of people oh, yeah. who were like homeless and hungry and things like that at the time. Oh, and yeah. like, I was very well schooled, man. Yeah, he, he, and, and the way he went about this was just like at the time, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the, the, I guess the word I'd be looking for is the couth that he had yeah. to, but she didn't have to, I mean, any, maybe, maybe it would have been different if she had approached him at a comedy club or something like that. Right. But, you know, but like, I mean, damn, I miss that dude, man. Yeah, He's I, good. And he troubled as hell, man. If you've read any of the stuff of his life and oh, him yeah. freebasing and catching himself on fire. Yep. And I've listened to his ex wife on a podcast once and mm-hmm. it was like a two hour podcast. And it was fast. I bet fascinating. Yeah. Just how he wanted to be on stage so bad. There was uh, one of his last public appearances was at the comedy store in LA mm-hmm. and they had to uh they had to carry him up there yeah they carried him and they put him in the seat and yeah it was bad but everyone just clapped Fuck and was, yeah, was man. thrilled for him and let, let him have his moment and everything he just wanted to be on there even yeah. even to the last moment yeah. and everything it killed him not uh being on there he just we lost him way too soon yeah. he was a big part in our life I remember always know about him when growing up I always knew oh that's the stand-up you guys aren't allowed to watch yeah. and everything but but then again here you can watch the toy I was like what right, it's, it's yeah. the same guy he's and like I yeah He's a different guy. I only ever knew him from his movies until I got older yeah. and was like, oh, he's a stand-up comedian. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. When I say older, I mean probably like 12, yeah, 13. Yeah. You know what I mean? You saw the VHS um, covers for Live at the Sunset Strip and all, right, all the other yeah. ones. Right, yeah. He had that you know? red suit on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Go fucking... back and watch some of the dramatic stuff, though. That blue collar, man. Man, he was so freaking good in that movie. I love that movie. I wonder if that's on Tubi or not, but I'll have hmm. to check it out. But I'm thrilled to be decided to put moving on here. This was it's one of those movies that it's it's perfect for the uh, for that network because it's one of those 80s obscure movies and everything. They they get like 20 huge movies and the rest of them are obscure gems that you haven't seen in forever. Like they just I think it changed monthly. They just added the uh, like they had the John Wick movies last week Mm. a month and they went away. Yeah. And now they got the uh, I think they're on Peacock now. uh, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, now Tubi has the Back to the Future movies, which oh, I think cool. is a big thing for them to have yeah. the Back to the Future That's trilogy awesome. because it's easy for them to get the canon films. It's easy to get yeah. the... Uh, it, and what I've realized, if you're searching through Tubi, if you go to categories, you have to literally go through every one mm-hmm. because some of them that are in cult are not... Uh, some cult horror movies yeah. are not in the regular horror and some of the uh, like uh, adult comedies aren't in regular comedy. You ha- so right. you have to almost search every one. Yeah. Uh, and no matter how much I search, I'm still coming across gems and everything. Oh, like yeah. That. There's, there's a couple on there that uh, I know me and Dave, and just give you a heads up if everyone wants to watch ahead, because obviously we're hoping you watch these movies on Tubi before you listen to us talk about them. Me and Dave are going to do colors. I actually started a list of movies I thought Dave would uh, be interested in doing. He, yeah. And he texted me. He's like, hey, just watch colors on Tubi if you want to do it. And I was like, boom, I'm all, yeah. all for it. I love colors with uh, Robert Duvall and Sean Penn. It's a great uh Dennis Hopper directed movie. There's oh, wow. one on there that I saw that would be perfect for us. So if, hopefully if we cross our fingers and it's still there by the time the next do one, mm-hmm. I would love for us to do Dead Presidents. Oh, fuck yeah. It's on there. And I was like, yeah. oh, man. Dead I haven't seen it in a long man. time, but I'd love to. Me it's neither. A I, I own movie. it too, but I was like, I remember watching that back in the day with Lorenzo Tate and I was like, oh, it's a good fucking yeah. movie, man. I love that movie. Dead Presidents movie, yeah. man. That was one of the ones that no one watched, but everyone that did was like, holy shit, have you seen that? Yeah. And I was like, that was a big fucking movie, man. So yeah, that's going to come up in the future. We got a bunch of good ones uh, on Tubi. I'm telling you, it's some, some really good ones to see. So if you want to... Get a hold of us. 
what should they do? They should send us an email, fascinatingfilms.gmail.com. They go to our Facebook page, which is probably the best shot to uh, always communicate with us. Justin's on there. I'm on there. And uh, you can check out all the photos we posted for uh, upcoming episodes. And uh, we usually give you about four, three or four days before the episode's going to drop so it could uh, let you know, hey, that weekend, check out moving or check out whatever movie we're going to watch. And uh, also, if you want to leave us a like or a comment on our two platforms, iTunes and SoundCloud. We'd appreciate it. Fuck yeah. So until next week with Dave or Justin, we'll see. <laughs> see ya. Peace. Mr. Pear, are you a gambling man? No, I'm not. Well, you are now. Mm-hmm.